the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. And our special guest from Fox Sports, Adam Peacock. Welcome, Adam. <laughs> Great to be here. <laughs> already already showing props. us up. There we go. That's what separates professionals yeah, from exactly. Muppet. So. Welcome, Adam. How you doing, mate? So which one? Muppet or... <laughs> oh, okay. Good, good. Yourselves? Sattler and Waldorf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm used to that, hanging out with those two. Uh, I'm good, gents. Yourselves? Yeah, very well. Very so well, you've yeah. done... Match day, Saturday, done for the season. you got a grand final special. One more grand final special. Yeah. Uh, and it was out on Twitter this week. Big guest, literally. Mark Viduka is uh, coming in to uh, have a chat. Not coming in. We're actually doing the, the show from Suncorp Stadium. So that's next... Sunday, match day Saturday, our third match day Saturday of the year to be on a Sunday. So how long is the pre-game going to be? Uh, we've got an hour of that and Good. then a half hour pre-game like, of normality resuming. And uh, then the match and I don't know what happens after that, but Boz is involved and we're away from, away from home, so anything <laughs> could happen. Cool. Well, there's, there's only one bit that I won't be watching of the pre-game and that'll be the bit where you have Dicko on. Oh, first stroke for you since 1963. Oh, it was a little bit hard to watch that oh, from my perspective God. as well to see Stephen Carr lift a trophy. But anyway, we'll carry on. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Anyway, congrats to them. No. No, not, no, not even allowing it. <laughs> It'll probably end up with us being thrown out of Europe again after they go on the rampage next season. But anyway, um, let's hope we don't get through the qualifying stages like we didn't. <laughs> um, anyway, on to the football. A-League, finals two, week two review. Saturday night, absolute cracker. Incredible game. I think both games, you know. We're talking about a fair bit of uh, focuses on what's going on off the pitch at the moment for yep. differing reasons. Uh, certainly on the pitch, continues to deliver. Trev? We've been saying all season. That Brisbane the, Central Coast. Yeah, the, the players and the games have been holding up their end of the bargain in terms of entertaining. Um this started exactly how you wanted it to start, didn't you? Because they were dead and buried Central Coast and they needed to sort of come out of the traps. So what we were saying last week, they need to start ridiculously well to give themselves a chance. Exactly what they did. Um, but the funny th- sorry, the funny thing was the first 20, they were finding it hard to get into the game. Barbarossa's mm. had a, a good couple, but then, as you say, after that... Right now, was, this, was this a case of the Mariners playing very well or Brisbane Raw assuming that the job was already done? Or a combination of the two, probably. Well, I mean, Mariners showed you the other week, if you don't take your chances, what ends up happening. But if you start you know, getting better on that front. But how many times have we seen the Raw this season get themselves into tricky situations and play themselves out of it? So it wasn't that big a surprise in the end that it was going to be too all. Um, I think the goal that got Brisbane back into it was the problem. And you as a former goalkeeper will... Uh, Back that up, I'm sure. You shouldn't have got beaten. Love it as if he says that former goalkeeper, yeah. no Premier League appearances. No, no, no but he, no. You, you did I, You did used to play in goal, and yeah, you no longer do. Over 35s, Division B. I like, the, like. I like it, though, how in football everyone separates the goalkeepers from the rest of the colony. Like, you have yeah, to. the lepers, and then, yeah. the, like, everyone's... They're not right, are they? They're like wicket keepers in cricket. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't. I mean, but, you're about to get hit. Yeah, you know, we saw it with uh, with the Barcelona keeper at the, in the Arsenal game. You know, keepers do every so often get beaten at their near post when they shouldn't. But um, all right, the goal that won it, well, won it, but mm. won the grand mm. final hosting from Enrique. 
Rico. one minute into injury time. Doesn't get much better than that, really. Does it, it was fantastic. I think, um, it, and it got skimmed over a little bit, was the sub that Ange made 10, 15 minutes into the second half when he, he brought Nichols off. And at that stage, it was 2-0. So we're on our way to extra time and penalties. And, and he could have brought on that Korean player, Park D bus, and just solidified things and carried on. But he brought on Enrique for Nichols instead of bringing on Madoka for Nichols and kind of um, tying it up a, a little bit more in midfield because Central Coast started the second half so well. He, he brought on Enrique and made things really attacking, brought Broish into the middle and, um, and forced the issue. So it was, it was pretty good thinking um, from Ange and it, and it got glossed over a little bit given the, what happened in that half an hour afterwards. It was understandable that it kind of got um, yeah. lost in the, the afterthoughts. Well, he's been positive match, all so. season, so you know, I, I don't get, you know, he doesn't seem to, that doesn't really seem to be his philosophy to sort of... He uh, backs you know, himself, he backs his up. players, doesn't he? And, you know, he's confident that they're always going to score. All right, let's, let's talk briefly about the grand final at Suncorp. There were 25,000 there at the weekend much has been made about the ticket prices that were released this week Adam I know you are on oh. the side that you think it's a bit pricey yes what I mean what what do you think I mean what what's your, are you talking about that from the perspective of an A-League grand final or are you talking about it from the perspective of an A-League grand final in a city that's just been decimated by floods correct which right. it is and that's reality yeah. um, it is an A-League grand final I, I can't have the comparisons to AFL and NRL irrelevant but how about the comparisons irrelevant. with five previous A-League Grand Finals that have all been around that price? A little bit relevant, especially when you consider, and I had it pointed out to me as well in 2009 when they had the A-League Grand Final uh, in Melbourne, Melbourne just, uh, the bush just had the bushfires. Yeah. With all due respect to everything that happened in the bushfires and what a horrible set of circumstances that was, that didn't cripple a whole city as if, like Brisbane has been. It, it, it's like You can argue either way that. But I just think in terms of a whole range of things... Firstly, the ticket prices that made the crowds go away a couple of years ago in Brisbane. They're slowly starting to come back. The season ticket prices got hiked, that's what I was trying to say. Um, also, the fact that the, the floods have, have happened. And you've got to take into consideration, and pe- people from um, the football fraternity might howl me down for this, but the fact is that the Brisbane Broncos start their NRL season with 50,000 people against the North Queensland Cowboys on the Friday night before. Now, in Brisbane, if you're umming and ahhing whether to go to one or the other, given the historical um, footprint that the Brisbane Broncos have got in that city, people will choose the Brisbane Broncos. If you make it a little bit more attractive to go to Suncorp Stadium for the grand final, there you go. All I want in the grand scheme of things is 50,000 people there. That plan is a doubleheader and guaranteeing a full act. Yeah, exactly. As long as we play first with the pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What would you say is a good price then? If you know fifty's too much for the cheaper tickets, well, not doubling what you had on Saturday night, I think that's steep. I think a little bit of a rise, and one thing I also reckon as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, if it's already been done, but season ticket holders for that club should get discounted price ticket prices for the finals. I don't know if they're all loped into the actual season ticket for the the regular season, but people have supported this club. All throughout the year. I don't mean you get a discount, you get priority. You get to buy them first, which I'm guessing if we don't think it's going to sell out, then that's not much of a... No, See, so I think you should get a discount for yeah. supporting the club. Through the I think that's fair enough, year. yeah. Yeah, but I, I but think, anyway. you know, I mean, is this again, the issue here is obviously that the FFA own the final series, not the clubs. Yeah. Um, so the F, you know, the finals is a revenue is a revenue generation for the FFA. 
Um, and let's face it, they do need the revenue. Um, so I can sort of see it. Um, but this is a- if you look at it in isolation and where I was coming from sort of on Twitter, 50 bucks to see a grand, the showcase game of the season, mm. the grand final, I don't think it's too much of an issue. There has not been the outrage over ticket prices in the first five years. No. You know, that was the price I think we paid in season one. You know, I know the Melbourne guys saying that mm. they've had three grand finals at 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, but of course there is extenuating circumstances up there. But then I think you can probably look at that with any given year and say, well, but of course we want the grand final to sell out. Trev, you were sort of on my side of the fence with that. Yeah, I, d- I don't think it's... Um I don't think that's a massive charge for a grand final. I think $50 is about right. Um, how many of those tickets are the $50 ones, though? Out of the 22,000 sort of, of them. 22,000. So there will be quite a few people paying you know, more. They're going to sell out mm. first, aren't they, the cheaper tickets? Then you're going to end up, you know, the latecomers are going to end up paying more. They might not because they're latecomers anyway, so they're probably not as bothered about going, so they might not be interested in you know, paying up to sort of $90 or whatever the more expensive tickets are. I mean, what would be interesting would see if they get a, a, a week out and they've sold 20,000 tickets. Yeah. I'm mm. with you guys. I just want 50,000 people yeah. to see this yeah. game because yeah, yeah. it'll be an amazing game, no matter who plays Brisbane Raw in the grand final. Um, just one thing on the, the, the FFA um, owning the finals, which is their right to do whatever they want with the finals and everything like that. They actually have a vested interest, obviously, in the uh, Brisbane Raw, and it's what we're hearing is going to become more and more. They could end up running the club next year. I just thought that if you want to get heaps of people involved in the match and get involved in what should be a wonderful spectacle, that then heightens the uh, chances of these people coming back, coming back yeah. next season yeah. and getting involved in the club on a more frequent basis. So... It, it's up in the air. I know they have to make a snap decision and they can't probably think of all the permutations down the line and, and everything like that, but the bounce-back ability of the club is um, tantamount. That's the word. Right. That's, <laughs> the word. <laughs> That's the word. I said before I came in here, I've got a word that I've got to get in on Twitter. I've got the word, bounce-back ability. Oh, Brisbane Raw, their bounce-back ability. I that so much better in the Melbourne Victory Chat. I just had to get it away. <laughs> bounce-back ability. It's got too early with on that, On Tuesday reckon. night with Melbourne Victory. What happened no, then? No, about the next game. Oh. You know, have they got it? Have they... Anyway. Well, I got another word. It was discombobulated, and that is what <laughs> happened to them on Tuesday night, but we'll get to it in a moment. All right. So that, that was the uh, major semi. Obviously, what that means for the Central Coast is they now host the sudden death, uh, what was it called? Preliminary, Preliminary final. Preliminary final. There we go. I'm slowly getting the hang of this finals, Lark. Preliminary final this weekend, and they will be playing the Gold Coast, who... Uh, Got on top of Adelaide 3-2 as a seesawing game. Shane Smeltz opened it with a cracker before Adelaide went 2-1 up before the Gold Coast then came back uh, to win 3-2. Adam, what did you make of this game? As good as the other one. Um, it was just end-to-end. Andy Harper said it on uh, Fox Sports FC the other night. It was good to see the teams going out there and not worried about getting so many men behind the ball and playing, just playing and going for it and all the things that are part of Australian football, a bit of technique thrown in, a bit of heart, a bit of grit, this, that and the other. And they just went for it for 90 minutes. I was amazed it didn't go 120 at least. Um, and I think uh, everyone in Adelaide's probably still amazed that it didn't go 120 at least. So uh, great game. Yeah. Great game. There's nothing better than a game that seesaws between the two times. You yeah. know, Both teams have had the lead at one point, thrown it away. Um, and that smelts goal, top draw. Ronaldo against Porto-esque. 
And that he got booked for pulling his shirt over his head. He didn't actually take his shirt off, did he? No. Did you no. see, though, a few of the Gold Coast What's players around him? They no. knew. As soon as they ran over to him, he just scored one of the goals of the season mm. to get his side back in uh, in the contest in a preliminary, uh, in a in a knockout semi final. And two of his players came over instead of jumping on him and carrying on like pork chops, they actually tried to pull the shirt back over his head to pull it down. Okay, well, listen, I mean, I know that it's a mandatory yellow for taking your shirt off, mm. completely off. But I didn't know it was a yellow for pulling either. it over your head. Otherwise, Fabrizio Ravanelli would never have played a game. Yeah, He'd well, have been exactly. permanently suspended. FIFA are anti-abs, obviously. Yeah. I think if you untuck your shirt oh, just scoring oh. soon, that might be a yellow. <laughs> you know, let, let the guy celebrate. He's just spanked one in from 35 <laughs> yards. It's like, if he wants to pull his shirt over his head, let him. But the rules, and they're playing to the rules of referees because they want to be involved in the, the forthcoming matches. So they're, they're so, trying to impress yeah. their bosses. So why wasn't Iniesta... Booked in the World Cup final when he scored the goal because he pulled his shirt out of his head to reveal a message to his. Because Howard to... Webb has an idea, and I well, know a few Manchester United enough, fans probably don't say. think that way, but all Liverpool that a fans. Lot. We see players lift their shirts to show a message yeah. to former teammates or babies or whatever. Yeah. Um, I I wasn't aware that that was the the law. I mean, I might actually go and do some research on that. It would have been crime of the century, though, if he did get that second yellow card and he missed this week because it would have been yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it was him that got so, it. Anyway, and Pedge Boach's um, uh, two yellows were up the same alley as well. But All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll preview the preliminary final in the, in the final part, so we'll get to that, so bear with us for that. But let's talk uh, Asian Champions League kicked off this week. Um, contrasting fortunes for the two Australian sides. Melbourne victory got... Let's, so let's be honest, handed their ass back on the platter by Gamba Osaka. I've heard a word on Twitter. Carry on. Um, <laughs> 3-0. Was it the first 15 minutes? 3-0 down? 11. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be fair to say even going into the game that we all were aware that Gamba Osaka were on a different level to any team in the A-League. Um, and you can't really recover from a sort of opening 15 minutes, or you can rarely recover from opening 15 minutes like that. But what I was thinking when I saw I mean, their, their ball ball retention, their possession, their passing was absolutely incredible on a level that we should all be aspiring to in the A-League. And I'm, I feel like I could do this every year. I get really excited about whoever wins the A-League, how they're going to do in the Asian Champions League. But I'm genuinely excited about how Brisbane Raw are going to go in the Asian Champions League, playing a kind of more is, is, As style. I said on Twitter on the night, I think, you know, there's no guarantee that Ange Postacoglu will still be a coach of Brisbane Raw by the time they go into the Asian Champions League, and they certainly won't have the same squad. No, I know, do you? That, that's a distinct possibility, but taking them as they are, as they're playing now, then it'll be great to see. But yeah, as always happens, if you do well, you get punished because you lose all your best players. Yeah. Um, Hernandez didn't travel. Thoughts on that? Uh, he must be injured because you play guys like that in situations like that, I would have thought, um, let's be honest, he's their most skillful midfielder, isn't he? And you need one of those. <laughs> on the park if he's fit so he, they said general soreness and uh, as Robbie Slater said in the call you just have to go along with that I guess because we haven't heard otherwise it's not like he's done a Todd Carney or anything like that yeah. um, away from the away from the pitch so um, yeah I hope he plays in the second uh, in the second match because they need him yeah. I've, I've, I've heard about Carlos that certain teammates and completely pun intended feel that he isn't pulling his weight and that he's not got into the shape that he needs to be for an entire season, and he's having a bit of a backlash on that. He needs bounce-back ability. <laughs> Certainly, if you're going up against a, a, a team with the mobility of Gamba Osaka, you need to be able to compete 
you know, in terms of chasing them around for 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe only time to stay at home and get fit. Who knows, you know. Uh, okay, but Melbourne certainly seem to have an aversion to the Asian Champions League. It doesn't seem to be their favourite competition. No. Um, Trev, can they get back into this? Well, goal difference is often quite important in those sort of smaller, tight, tight groups. And yeah, of course they can get back into it. Um, I just don't think they will. I just don't think they've got the pedigree of, of being able to play at that level. That result, putting themselves you know, on the back foot with goal difference straight away, it's going to be difficult. All right. Um, let's talk coaching. Ernie America seems to have a sort of love-hate relationship with the fans. Um, when they're doing well, they love him. When they're doing badly, they hate him, which is the coach's lot, I suppose. Um, but one of the criticisms that has been levelled against Ernie Merrick is that when he goes into the Asian Champions League, he hasn't got the tactical nous to adapt, which is why they end up getting spanked. Mm. And the fact, you know, when a coach makes a substitution after 15 minutes, that to me is an admission that he got it wrong. Because mm. the guy wasn't injured. You know, that's no. saying, I knew what we were coming up against and I got it completely wrong and now I'm going to try and change it. So, I mean, do you... Do you think there's some weight to that argument? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, the look on his face when Ferreira came off said it all. He like, as if to say, oh, that was a tad unfortunate, that first 15 minutes, and maybe had something to do with it. So you're right, like every time I hear it as well, um, every time Melbourne do well, it's, oh, how good are we at attacking football? It's fantastic to watch this, that and the other. Every time they get beaten in a situation like this, it's, oh, only Merrick doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to to keep things tight and this, that and the other and we always get found out like that match down at Amy Park uh, when Adelaide put four through them and they scored in the last minute to make it 4-1. So um, you just get the feeling sometimes what's the plan B with Melbourne? What is the plan B? And a clearly defined plan B or C if you like. So we'll find out. I mean, it's only one game in. I'm not writing them off. They've got too many good players. They've got too many good goal scorers. Um, I've got Robbie Cruz, Archie Thompson, Danny Allsop. Yeah. If one of those fires in a match and gets two goals, well, that's a fair old advantage to go through. So I'm by no way means um, writing them off. But uh, the good thing is, as Ernie Merrick said, we don't have to go to Osaka anymore. True. <laughs> well, let's hope they show that bounce back ability. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> okay. All right, let's talk about last night, Trev. Sydney yep. FC, nil-nil. Now, you, know, you probably say nil-nil against 10 men. You know, what, what, sorry, when having 10 men. It's not a bad result, but the context of it is, you know, the Korean teams are still in their pre-season. You know, this oh. was this was an opportunity. Like three days. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not playing league, they're not playing competitive football yet. It, this was an opportunity for Sydney to to actually get runs on the board. Yeah. And Terry McFlynn's sending off was from where else pretty stupid. Yeah, completely. He could have avoided the guy. Saw it as a little chance to have a cheap dig. Got pinged. Red yeah. card. Well, when I was looking at the stories for this podcast, I was telling my friend had done an interview heading into the game about how important it is and you know all the rest of it. Sort of a rallying cry, and then he goes and does that. It's one of those results you go. All things considered, it was an okay result, but you got to win your home games. You know, you're pretty much you're looking to sort of win all of your home games and whatever you can pick up on the road. Um, so a stalemate in their opening game against a side that they they would have been looking to, to beat if they were going to progress any further. It was actually a pretty poor result, but they would have taken that after Mike Flynn stupidly got sent off. So if Sydney keep 11 men on a pitch, do you see them winning this? Or do you think the Koreans are quite happy with 0-0 as well? It's like, well, no, we'll you at home. I think they would have won the match. Um, depending on... It would have been interesting to see what substitutions Levitska made, and they were pretty positive ones late in the match, 
if they still had 11 men on the pitch, I dare say that he would have went for it. But the Koreans were Gonski at the end. Though the last 20 was not all Sydney, but they were the better side on the park with 10 men. I was really impressed the way that they were um, knocking the ball around on occasions. Yeah. Not all the time, but passing it out from the back. And, of, of course... Um, Ange will be watching that and thinking, oh, beauty, I've, uh, I've got another good one coming my way. And uh, Matthew German and Sydney fans will be wondering, what on earth, why was this bloke playing in youth league half the year? Anyway, that's gone. Um, I was really impressed the way they passed the ball around. So um, fingers crossed it was a nil-nil in the other match in that, in that group. So um, it's, it's basically, um, that was the, the warm-up match for the rest of the Greek games. Again, flashes from Nicky Cole that, you know, Oh, they missed him, didn't they? They missed him throughout the course the, of the, the season. The Asian Champions League might, the tempo of the Asian Champions League might suit him. Yep. And you'd probably say, Trev, for them to get out of the group, he's got to, he's got to play yeah, every I mean, game and deliver. Since he's joined there, he hasn't had a prolonged series of games to get himself in, fit and in form. Um, so, yeah, the Asian Champions League is a good chance for him to do that. What do you make of David Williams? Uh, a bit rusty. A bit rusty. He tried his guts out. I was a bit surprised. I suppose it's because Petratos was coming back from injury, so I was a bit surprised he actually started. But um, I'd like to see Petratos, Williams, Bridge, Bruno, Bruno, and also Carl, with only one holding midfielder behind them. I don't think you need two, especially at home. Yeah. But um, that's the way he set it up, and that's, I dare say, the way he's going to play when he goes away from home, especially when he goes away from home, so... Yeah, okay. I'd like to see all those guys on the pitch at the, at the one time to start the match. All right. Well, that's the wrap-up of uh, A-League Finals and the Asian Champions League. That's all for part one. We'll be back in part two for what has been, as always, another busy week in football on the website, au.442.com. So join us after the break. The new issue of 442 is on sale, and it's our annual Top 100 Players in the World Special Edition. Who will be number one? We head to Japan to meet Socceroo rising star Matt Spiranovic and go one-on-one with Liverpool legend Ian Rush. There's also the never-before-told story of Man United's riotous 1999 tour down under without Sir Alex Ferguson to watch over them. We'll also visit seven European local derbies in one huge Sunday. If that wasn't enough, there's a UEFA Champions League sticker album and stickers free with every issue. On sale now at newsagents or on the iPad via the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at some of the news that's been making headlines on the website au.442.com. Now, last weekend will go down as a very big weekend in the career of one Mitch Langerak. He made his debut for Dortmund. In a stunning 3-1 win, they're running away with the league. I think they're, I think they're 12 points clear now. Um, it was three, they won 3-1. Uh, he had a good game. Got high praise from his coach, hmm. Mr. Klopp. Yep. Uh, what, now, how many appearances he needs to pick up a medal? Isn't there a minimum amount of no, games? I think, no, because so, if you're in the squad, if he's been sat on the bench, then if you're in the squad, because you get named in the squad, obviously. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you're a reserve keeper for a team and they win the league, you get a medal. Because always remember, but that wasn't the, certainly wasn't the case in the English Premier League. Yeah, to make a certain yeah, appearance. Because Alex Ferguson used to, you know, squeeze Brian McLare on for enough games so his Scottish mate got a medal in the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk Langrack. I mean, yep. is, it, you know, is he... Now elevating himself in the Socceroos reckoning by where he is? Um, yeah, with a few more performances. I mean, I've I read certain things this week about saying that, you know, Schwartz is under a lot of pressure because 
um, Langrat's played one Bundesliga game. It's a great start, um, but obviously he needs to kick on from here and play regular first-team football if he's going to make the step up to international standard. Um, in terms of what Schwartz plans to do next, I mean, he hasn't announced his retirement, has he, Schwartz? No, so no. he's presumably going to go on and, you know, until he physically cannot play football anymore. Or walk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, which is fine, Bus, because he's still playing well. Um, but yeah, Langra, it'd be it'd be good to see him in a uh, in a soccer squad. See how he goes in that environment, and uh, you know I think he'd, he'd learn a lot from being able to do that. But um, I wouldn't wish injury upon any player. But it'd be nice to see Mitch get an extended run, wouldn't it, if if possible? Yeah, um, I mean he's following Schwartz's path in mm-hmm. that Schwartz obviously you know, went to England via the Bundesliga. Um, I think it was Kaiserslautern he used to play for. I think it was. Um, so it, you know it. Do we see Langerak sort of staying in the Bundesliga? Do we see him being quite happy? Or ultimately, is it the aim of everyone to get into the English Premier League? Or do you think he'll be quite happy to stay there for a while? I'd be... The way things are going at his present club at the moment. He's going to be Champions League football next year. Yeah, I I wouldn't be going anywhere for a a while. Um, The advantage Mitch has got in his position, someone his age who plays outfield, has got 10 years to make it. He's got 20 more years, so, so he's, all, he's got a lot of time. Also handy when your national coach is a German. Yes, exactly. No, he, he'll, um, I've got a feeling he'll be involved uh, in some capacity, but um, especially considering they're doing that, uh, and mistake me if I'm wrong, if they're not doing it yet, but my last information is there is a uh, junior kind of socceroos, if you like, um, the, the ones that are thereabouts, but the younger brigade are having a camp. Uh, in Germany before that match, before the the, the, the first team kind of gets there, so Holger can get his eyes across everyone in the same place at the same time. So hopefully that is going ahead. Yeah. I dare say Mitch will be involved with that, um, with a few of the young guns from the A-League as well, and, and around uh, Europe and wherever they're playing, in Asia and whatnot. And um, he might sneak on uh, the, the main squad as the, the third reserve, but um, the guys that were at the Asian Cup, I dare say, and we've only heard good things about the, the squad mentality and, and um, how they all gel together over there. Uh, I dare say they'll be, have first dibs. Well, certainly, I mean, we, we talked about this briefly. And again, you know, the problem is, is that we come against the commercial uh, realities, but also the football realities, in that there are two friendlies in June hmm. at the end of the season. Um, Rumoured to be chilly. Chilly, yeah. We won at home. Um, Serbia, I personally maybe. would love to see them say to the senior guys, rest. You know, mm. you've just had a Premier League season and an Asian Cup. Schwarzer, Cahill, mm. Kuehl, Neil, take off. Let's give the public a chance to see some of the younger generation. Let's bring Langerak in. Let's bring you know, the Luke De Veres of this world in and give them a chance. Mm. You know, Chris Hurd from Villa, he made his first start today mm. um, in the ridiculous surrender to Man City. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we won't, we won't dwell on that. But he made his first start today and was was certainly mixing it yeah. with the uh, with the best in the business. So I'd love to see them put a develop, develop developmental squad together for the June Trev. But obviously, yeah, FFA have got to balance that in terms of selling out or selling the tickets. And you know, we know that Kuehl, Cahill are the guys that put bums on seats. So Is it going to be in Sydney one. that friendly? I don't think they've announced it yet. Yeah, because I mean, you know, Sydney didn't get a great crowd when they had a good soccer side out. Um, so if it's in Melbourne, I think you've probably got more um, more room to, to play a weaker side. But you can strike a balance. You can still get a couple of headline players in, for example. You know, have you know Cahill, 
and Neil or whatever, Cahill and Emerson or you know someone like that. So there are some stars in there, which is only going to help the young lads that are playing anyway to be training and then be out there with with guys like that. But yeah, I'd I'd like to see there's, there's a few people that we've heard a lot about. You know, standing at the bottom of that story, Rukovitz has scored and then set up an assist um, last week as well. So he's another guy I wouldn't mind seeing more of. I think him, Spiranovic and uh, Langerat will probably be the three players I'd like to see playing that friendly. Just quickly on that subject, um, just doing the thoughts in my head there while Trev was uh, saying his piece no off-season last year with the World Cup no off-season next season with World Cup qualifiers it's a good time to have it yeah. give the guys an off-season and um, give the young guys a go well and also you know, let's uh, get some credits in with the Premier League managers because come World Cup qualifying when some of the AFC dates aren't FIFA dates we might need to call in those favours you know? so I'd certainly like to get back in you know, Tim Cowell get back in David Moyes' good books <laughs> after yeah. the Asian Cup because he's obviously one of the most vocal about Cale's commitments to Australia. So I think if he's got the chance to have a rest, let's give him one. I think Cale will come back and play. And I, uh, you talk about the commercial things. I think that Cale has quite a lot of commercial commitments. And when he's back in Australia, he certainly gets out and about. So I reckon he'll come back and he'll play. All right. Someone who is coming back and playing. The big man, Lubo. Oh, that understated character. He's back to uh, to play for South Melbourne. Yep. What do we make of this? Um, hmm, not quite the Bundesliga. Or the J-League. Or the J-League. Uh, With all due respect to South Melbourne. Or the A-League. Of course. Um, it's good for South Melbourne. Let's be honest. A little yeah. bit positive for the, the VPL and, and, um, and the, uh, the commercialism of that and people's awareness of it as well. But uh, for Lubo... Who knows? Who knows what man, what that man thinks, what goes through his skull before he speaks? No, there's no process. It's straight out of the world. <laughs> it's straight out. Yeah. Um, we had him on match day Saturday. He's a likeable guy. Uh, but I, just, I would not like to try and predict what he does next because that, it will that, be wrong. That sort of, you know, rarest of species, a footballer who thinks too much. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Most of them don't think at all. Yes. Big Lubo strikes with someone who just thinks too much about everything. Mm. You know? mm. He missed out on the filter, yeah. unfortunately. Or but fortunately, it, yeah, the way you look no, at it. As we said before, there's no doubt about it. The game needs as many colourful characters as it can get. And uh, Lubo's certainly a colourful character. So it'd be interesting to see him back and base down in Melbourne. Uh, we hear that he will be going back to try and find a club in Europe during the off-season. Um, so let's enjoy seeing him in the VPL while we can. And hopefully he doesn't call Australia a racist country. Again, yeah. And carry on with that. How to not get people on side. No. Uh, another thing you've got a theory on, uh, Shannon Cole came out and said that the, the AFC's 3 plus 1 visa rule should mirror the European version to allow more Asian players in the ACL squad. Um, obviously, Sydney had some issues getting all of their visa players included, and, uh, and Michaela missed out, and uh, Bjorn missed out as well. Now, and we... then got us to break down the Korean side by Vitislav. <laughs> uh, sorry, you can't play, but um, tell tips? us about the other team. No, now, obviously, there was a last minute or there was a late call on Terry McFlynn's eligibility as an Australian because he, he hadn't been a resident for long enough. Now, you've got a theory on this one. I hope it's completely wrong and I hope to get a call from Dave Mason uh, from Sydney FC if he listens to this, but I hope that it wasn't the case of Terry McFlynn and the club thinking that he was an Australian, he was going to take up in a, a, a local-based, a local spot 
and then realising the rules was actually you had to have your Australian citizenship or local citizenship for 12 months before you can be considered a local player. And they've got to organising their squad and then being made aware of the rule. He's only been an Australian citizen for eight months. Sorry, he's going to take up an overseas um, playing uh, roster spot. I hope that's not the case, but given the recent goings on at Sydney FC, it doesn't exactly fill me with confidence that that isn't the case. I'm but I'm, I'm right, sure it's hopefully not. Hopefully, sure that it's not theory is complete rubbish. All right. I mean, yeah. I just, it's the same for everyone. Everyone's got to conform with this. You need to know what the makeup of your squad's going to be. Certainly, there was some, yeah, with the Edwin's sort of resignation or or, or leaving the club, you know, has, has raised question marks over some of the recruitment. You know, Michaela was supposedly brought in to spearhead the Asian Champions League push. Wasn't in the squad. You know, obviously. The, the stuff going on behind the scenes there that we probably won't be privy to all of it. Well, who's running the joint? That's well, the only thing fans want to know. Yeah, and obviously Levitska's uh, tenure has only just been extended, so there's probably question marks over that. So I just want to see Sydney FC get some stability and, and, and start to actually get an, you know, an identity the way they want to play. Well, Frank Lowe stepped down from uh, Westfield. He stepped away from that. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. That happened today, so or yesterday. So yeah, you never know. He might get uh, more involved with that as he's. But I suppose he can't with the conflict of interest with the FFA. So what happens with that is another thing as well. Indeed. Uh, well, it's, even though the A League's still in full swing, there's uh, the merry-go-round uh, has already started. Um, Perth Glory have admitted that they're interested in Shane Smeltz. Um, I'm assuming that Shane's contract is only to the end of this season, or wouldn't that be a little bit of tapping up? <laughs> um, Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, so Fergie has uh, denied speculation that he's already signed, um, but has admitted that they do want him. Uh, Trev? Yep. I'm surprised Fergie, <clears throat> first of all, that Fergie's still going to be there for next season. Ooh. Well, isn't his record the worst ever for a Perth Glory manager? I it think is. Kevin was telling us last week. Um, and, you know, Perth recruited very, very well last season. Let's not forget. And a lot of us were, were tipping them to take it out. Um, if players like Smeltz and, and Dodd, who we're going to speak about in a minute, end up going there and nosediving as well, it, it will become that club where good players go to ruin, to, to ruin it a little bit like a certain barcoded premiership team. That has a bit of a reputation for signing very good footballers. Barcode, red barcode, <laughs> or oh, no, traditional black. Oh, and that white. one, the yeah. club that signs uh, high-priced players and then doesn't have a medical department. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I, I just find it funny that, that it, was, it was referenced in this story as well that, that Perth are trying to negotiate to get Robbie Fowler under the salary cap to bring in Shane Smeltz as a marquee. Yeah. That would be the moment that, he realises his career has really gone down. You're reading that in England and thinking... Yeah. Huh? Who? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that fella that got that goal against Italy. Yeah. Oh, right, OK, that lad. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we talked last week, I think it was, about the independent review that Tony Sage has got going into the club at the moment. I mean, again, did, is that really necessary if you're running the club? Do you sort of... Need someone that isn't involved to tell you what's going wrong. Correct. Yeah, that points towards the fact that you don't know what's going on, so you need someone yeah. else. But again, you know, it seems like Perth are going to assemble a very good squad. They had a very good squad on paper this year, but completely under-delivered. Well, the one thing that they didn't have, and we kept on saying it on Fox, that's three now, isn't it? Plugs off Fox. Anyway, sorry. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> was the fact that they're 
midfield, and, and the guys I sit next to on a Saturday have got m- more of an idea about this than me, but their midfield wasn't dynamic. There wasn't a, a fast, quick, agile human being in that four. And, and it wasn't until he put Pellegrino in the middle with Burns and shifted McGarry out a bit wider that they finally had a bit of zip in the middle of the park. So I'm looking at these players that they've signed and Travis Dodd is a wide player. Shane Smeltz plays up front, so he needs that person behind him to give him the ball in good positions. Uh, Evan Berger is a wide player and Danny Vukovic nearly scores goals, but from the back in Wellington. So whether or not they've got their recruitment exactly right remains to be seen, and that's an ongoing problem, as you guys have said. But uh, I'll be interested to see what happens because they're signing name players at least. Uh, whether an A-League, established A-League players who know how to play in this league, so they mm. won't get off to the poor start, you would think, that they have done previously. Dodd's but zippy. He's some of zippy players. But he's 30. Yeah. Mm. Well, I just look at it and you think, well, you know, they had a very good set of individuals on paper um, and they couldn't find the way to play mm. to get the most out of that. And also, their discipline was appalling. You know, they oh. struggled to keep 11 men on the pitch most of the time. Yeah. It's and never easy me, when you're playing that, Jacob Burns. Over. That, that, to me, are two things that point directly at the coaching. Yeah. Is that they don't have a clear system of how to get the best out of their individuals, and their discipline is awful. We know who we want there. Well, I'd, love the to see, I'd love to see the jacket. The though. purple jacket. I would love to see the jacket. The purple jacket. Oh. Imagine, imagine him walking out the first in front of the shed with a purple jacket on. The quintessential... It'd be like some football Willy Wonka. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> the quintessential fashion statement of the A-League season. The striker, man. Love it. Uh... But anyway, we've, we've touched on this. Travis Dodd has, uh, has quit the Reds for Perth glory. That's now confirmed. And obviously was, uh, was confirmed as soon as Adelaide's season ended. Um, you know, I, I like Travis Dodd. He's been there. He's been at Adelaide from the start. Um, he's been pretty loyal. We talked about it last week. You know, the, that sort of loyalty appears. You know, the club seem quite happy to let him go. Do we think they'll regret this? Depends what Rennie Coolan's got in mind in terms of recruitment in the off season. He might have his eyes on on players overseas. Um, what I was most impressed about Travis Dodd was that while all this was going, his form all this was going on in the background, his form actually got better. Yeah, it's yeah. commendable. So that's pretty it? impressive. Yeah, he's had a tough time with injuries. I think, the, the, you know, in the latter weeks, we've sort of seen him coming back to, to near his best, or certainly as we remember him. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of the Dodd-Father. I think he's, uh, <clears throat> you know, one of the better, you know, in terms of A-League players that have been there from the start. Um, he's certainly one of the better ones. But, yeah, let's hope that, that um, what's happened to a few good players that have gone to glory don't happen to him. Right, two more uh, movers and shakers. Uh, Paul Reed, uh, the in, the on off, on off again. The teen romance between Paul and Adelaide has come to an end. Hmm. Um, Adelaide have kicked him out. Paul's Paul's left. <laughs> Chucked his furniture on the <laughs> curbside. Yeah. The keys have been thrown out the window. Get lost. Um, so, thirty-one-year-old is now clubless. Um, he was he refused a contract. Adelaide have now sort of rescinded their latest offer. Um, so now he's a free agent. Tipped to be turning up at Sydney FC, Adam. Do they need him? I mean, they've got Moriasu, McFlynn, Mishalik. Depending on if those guys hang around, that's a, another player of the same kind of... Water carrier type player <laughs> that does that role. Yeah, I think if he did did go to Sydney, Mishalik would definitely be on the way out. Yeah, OK. And the other one was, uh, again, another uh, predictable one. Um <laughs> 
was Marte de Ganzic has, has jumped ship and moved to Melbourne Heart. Um, good pickup for Melbourne Heart, this, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Scott Munn was pretty open about wanting to get him as soon as there was um, um, noises coming out of the victory that he might not be happy. But yeah, I mean, a great pickup, 21. Um, got an incredible coaching fraternity at the heart, so it's a great place for him to go and, and pick up a lot more. So yeah, good signing. And it'll guarantee a little bit of a little bit of an edge to the uh, to the derby next season. A little bit more, which is good to say. Love it. All right, that's all for uh, part two. We'll be back in part three to discuss uh, probably one of the headlines of the season, um, but in the most unfortunate of circumstances, it has to be said, the headline that we hoped we'd never have to write. But that headline was Hal Hath No Fury. Uh, so let's um, we'll pick the bones out of the Fury situation after the break. And Adam is about to play another snippet of something. It's quite pungent. It's what? Quite, it's quite pungent. It's quite pungent. All right. Gone. So we will be back in part three to discuss the demise of North Queensland Fury. Join us after it's the break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Now we're going to discuss probably the biggest story of the week, uh, unfortunately the biggest story of the week, um, which was the demise of North Queensland Fury where the FFA uh, cut the club this week. Um, we predict, widely predicted, no real surprise. Adam, not ideal obviously, but where do you stand on this? A terrible situation, terrible timing as well. At this time of year, but we're led to believe it's because of the the draw coming out next season. They want to they want to get that out. Could they not have waited? They like could have nine ten days. I mean, they could have they waited after the grand final. The other footy codes will be going full swing. Then it'll be not. I mean, it, it's not as if it was front page headlines in Melbourne or anything like that, I and mean, it was never going to be. But it's just a. It's just an awkward footnote. I think some AFL player picked his nose. In public, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. I've got another soundboard for something like a... No, but no. Is it fair that they got cut? Uh, when you look at it and you take the emotion out of it, and it's, it's easy for us to do that because we're, on the, we're, we're down in Sydney, we're watching from afar, we're not involved with the club and the, the amount of hard work that undoubtedly went into that club. When you look at the information we've got so far from both sides, it's probably fair that they did get cut, unfortunately, as bad as that sounds um, and as hard as that is to say as well because you never like to see people lose jobs full stop, especially yeah. in football. So um, is it fair? No. Was it reasonable that they had to make that decision? Probably. Well, I mean, there's a fair bit of, sort of he said, she said going on at the moment regarding the numbers that have been banded around and the Fury Advisory Board uh, held a sort of, you know, they're obviously you know, quite emotional about this. They've invested a lot of time and effort into trying to keep the club going and understandably they're, they're gutted that it hasn't happened. Um, from the FFA's perspective, I mean, they've called for an independent inquiry into the decision-making. Do the FFA need to do that? Because isn't it... It's their, it's their toy set. 
Well, yeah, the licenses that are is that going to happen? Granted and re- re- revoked by the FFA, so um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm I mean, not sure. it's not going to happen, is it? But, but it's, it's not going to happen now. I just want to make a point on on the timing. You're saying the timing of the announcement should have been delayed. I don't think it should have been delayed at all because the people that work for this club have got up every morning for God knows how long and not thinking, have I got a job today? Am I going to go into a job? You go into work and you don't know if the announcement's going to happen. They want to know as soon as possible where their livelihood lies. So delaying it by a couple of weeks because it's a slightly better PR exercise wouldn't be fair. Um, What about then announcing it straight at the end of the home and away season? From what I I can gather, they, they haven't suddenly found out they're going to be two million short. And I, no. I think that's the Fury Advisory Board's perspective is that at no point did the FFA up until that point tell them hmm. where they were short. You know, yeah. they just came out with this figure that, you know, but all right, let, leaving Fury, not leaving Fury aside, Fury are very much part of this, but the FFA's expansion has been, let's face it, an unmitigated disaster. That's where <laughs> I think the, and when you take out the, emotion involved with the actual decision being made uh, on Tuesday, that's where I think all the finger fingers should be pointed at. The very decision to give, and Ben Buckley admitted it on Fox Sports FC the other night, got another one in, was the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that he takes full responsibility for what happened up there. They stuffed up this decision to give this licence to North Queensland in the first place. How a guy can get a club like Don Matheson over the line and say, yes, come to Townsville, we'll build a great club up here, and then one year later walk away because he doesn't all of a sudden have the funds to facilitate what happened. Someone somewhere has stuffed up Royal in projections and what this club's revenue was going to be in pixie land as opposed to reality because they were far, far apart, unfortunately. And that's where all the centre of attention should go and they should do a full investigation into that not for this situation, but for future situations when they bring it in and learn from it, because they have to, otherwise it's going to happen again. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's why licences shouldn't be given to people who, at the time of asking for the licence, have the money. They should be given to the people that have a long-term plan and can prove that they plan to do it for an extended period. And I've mentioned about Don Mathers before, before about him walking away and how it shouldn't have been allowed. And people went, well, it's fine for him to walk because he's lost a certain amount of money. You know, it was him that was doing these forecasts. He must have known that he was going to lose money in the first year. And for him to sort of wash his hands of, of something that had started, I don't think should have been allowed. It's like closing the bar at a wedding at 9 o'clock yeah. when the bar tab has reached its limit. Of course yeah. you're going to chuck another grand or two on it. You might as well keep going. You're there yeah. at the wedding, you're enjoying things. You're not going to close the bar and send everyone home halfway through the dance. Well, obviously, Fury now gone. Sydney Rovers never never kicked a ball in anger. Um <laughs> The other expansion club, Gold Coast, are getting 2,000, are basically, you know, totally at the behest of Clive Palmer, um, you know, because unlike mm-hmm. Don Masson, he has continued bankrolling it. But, you know, we're not seeing any emergence of a football club there. We're seeing a no. team put on the park by Clive Palmer mm-hmm. with, with no sort of real building of a football club there. And nope. he could walk away. He could do a similar thing and go, And ironically, you know, from the, from the fan perspective, albeit... Clearly below their initial projections, Fury did seem to have well, well, had a better following than the Gold Coast. Mm. 
unfortunately though, for their last few matches, they were getting three, four thousand. Yeah, but as I understand well. it. They were on deck now, yeah, as well. But if they wanted it that bad, more people would have gone. I'm not not throwing stones at and saying that that's the wrong thing to do. I'm just pointing out the obvious that if I mean, if your, your club's in trouble, we saw a rugby league club like South Sydney. They got seventy thousand people to march through the streets of Sydney to try and get them back in a competition. So there was. I mean, but, but from, from the, Sydney, the fans were there. The club that had been going for what eighty years. Yeah, yeah, true. So they they had that history, but I I just wish places like Gold Coast and 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 that would engage in the community more. And that's got to be the the first step for every single club in the A League next season is engage in the community. My kid signed up the other day for um, for a club on the northern beaches of Sydney, and with it he got a, a little. Supporters pack for Sydney FC. Every kid got one. That's a that's a good kind of step. But beyond that, I was thinking about the other night. Brendan Schwab should make at a part of the new collective bargaining agreement, and whether whether when it gets done or whatever, that every single player who plays in the A League has to go to a school at least five times a year, at least five times a year, if not ten, to go to the schools and get out there in the community, get the kids to the games, the under twelves in Sydney. Get a free ticket. Yeah. If they sign yeah. up, they get a free ticket to Sydney FC. Great idea. Get the parents along. You get tickets. You get more people at the game. Build it up. My kid now, five-year-old, loves watching Sydney FC play because he got that pack and he feels part of something as well. So that's the way to start got, I mean, things. To, to be fair to Sydney, they, they did that this season hmm. and it's not translated into... Yeah, but in, it will. It will. If you keep doing it, you can't just do it for one season sure. and say, oh, it didn't really work. We're not doing it anymore. You've got to do it for year on, year on, year on and build it up that way. Hmm. Right. I do think the the players are doing stuff in Melbourne for the PFA, aren't they? That they do have yeah, they've programs got a schools that program, a heroes program. I think it's called. Yeah. Is that through the PFA or the club? Yeah, PFA. Through PFA. Why isn't it through the club? Why isn't the club trying to get its brand out there as well? No, if you I, want I do, to use I, that, you know, I, I sometimes think that, you know, I do think that sometimes the A-League clubs get battered a bit when a lot of them do do as much as they can. Yeah. You know. I, you know, I know when Brendan Reno is at Sydney FC, you know, he's got, what, 19 associations to manage, you know, and, and he's got mm. X amount of players. He would love to have had eight regional community development officers, but the budget doesn't allow it. No. It was him, mm. you know, to cover 250,000 registered players. Yeah. You know, so I think, of, you know, by the same token, they've, they've got to cut their cloth according to their means, you know, mm. and of course you can look at a model whereby... There's a squad of 40 players going around schools every day, mm. but it's just not practical. No. Um, where does, so, Trev, where does this leave us in terms of expansion? Ten teams next year. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, none of us want the A-League to stay at ten teams, but is it? do we realistically say, okay, this is it for the next two or three years. Let's focus on building ten viable teams first before we try and reach for the stars again and go to 12 and 14? Or, or are there better candidates to go back and relook at it? You know, Western Sydney, you know, is that still an opportunity? It was just the wrong bid. Canberra, you know, in hindsight, was Canberra a better choice mm. than North Queensland or Gold Coast? You know, mm. is there an opportunity to go back and revive something there? Could we look to 12 teams in maybe two years? Yeah, I mean, it's my understanding that Canberra are pretty far down on the list of possible expansion teams based on the research that they've done there. Western Sydney's top of the list. So I think that's where they'll go next. Um, whether they'll try and sort of get one team in and say you go with 11-team format or do what they did when they bought in both North Queensland, Fury and Gold Coast, you know, try two at once. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we're going to have to persevere. 
at least for one season with ten teams, obviously. I hope it's only one season. I'd like to see Western Sydney come in um, the following year, providing they can you know, get someone to prove that they've got the right plan you know, and the right money to bring that next team in. So they're the most likely addition. Okay. And there was talk of, uh, of, a, of a youth league team. That wasn't the soundboard, team. by the way. That was <laughs> actually, actually Trev Coffee. There was talk of a youth league team for Fury competing next season uh, with keeping the door open to a re-entry from Fury. Do we think that that's realistic? Or to me, that just seems like a little bit of lip service to a... Correct. Potentially. Oh, OK. I, do we think this is the end of North Queensland, a team in the A-League? Oh, do you think the FFA have sort of for now, yes. Blown it? Um, not saying in five years' time that they they won't come back and and turn things around and because um, look at the players, the amount of players that they've produced as well, uh, playing in prof- playing professional football. So I don't think it's the end for the until the end of time for them, but for for now, immediately it is. All right. You know, a new team coming in under the FFA straight away. They go, why should I put my time and money into this club when you took it away from us before? So, so a lot of time needs to pass, and possibly a new administration at the FFA as well. All right, I mean, let, let, let's talk brass tacks. You know, let, let's talk accountability. You know, what, what do we want to see? You know, I mean, I, I look at it from my perspective. If I launch three magazines for this company and two of them fail and one's on life support, I'm going to struggle to hold on to my job. You know, if you guys launch three programs that bomb. You know, is there enough accountability within the FFA for the decisions and, let's face it, the poor decisions that have been made? Uh, so you're not suggesting that Ben Buckley should be replaced by Ben Elton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they made the decision. They handed over the keys and said, go for it. So, of course, accountability needs to be there. From from what we're reading on the outside, though, and what the fallout immediately was from the World Cup bid, Ben Buckley's not going anywhere in the eyes of Frank Lowy. He loves him. So... If people want the notion of, and it was trending on Twitter, Buckley or Buckley out or, or something like that, if they think that that's going to happen, I'd, and we haven't heard from Frank Lowe in all of this, and as Bozza said, we need to, because yeah. he's the chairman of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, we need to hear from the bloke. So you couldn't imagine um, someone, a, a team, getting kicked out of the AFL and Mike Fitzpatrick, the head of the AFL commission, not saying anything, leaving it up to Andrew Demetrio and, and whoever to to pick up the slack, he'd come out and say something. So, Frank, um, I want to hear his perspective. And on one side, you know, we, we talk, we, we've sort of uh, expressed frustration with FIFA and the World Cup bid and the mm. murkiness of that whole bidding process and accountability and transparency. Do we not need to have a greater degree of transparency to what are the criteria for getting an A-League licence? Who are we giving these licences to? What is their plan? You know, I know you, when you spoke to the to the MLS, the MLS for that feature that you did, he talked about the criteria that were, as I understand it, quite transparent as to what you needed to get a, an MLS license. Yeah, I mean, aside from being transparent, they need to start, you know, doing it themselves. I mean, the MLS guy was saying that the amount of information, evidence, proof, and research you have to put into getting an MLS cup is absolutely insane. Every tiny little detail. I got the impression that the league provides a very, very detailed structure of what you need. Not just, oh, can you come up with a plan? There are 
endless reams of bullet points and pieces of information they get if they want to you know have a chance to have it because the mls could have expanded to well over sort of you know 26 teams by now they've had more than enough people with the money that have put their hand up and said they want a license the reason they haven't got it all is because they didn't fulfill that uh, criteria that they've put down so that's what ffa need to work on uh, is you know he's getting that criteria first and then you know seeing how the expansion goes from there okay um last thing on this i'd say was that in, in, in the quotes from Ben Buckley, he's talked about the fact that the, the two million um, would have detracted from other things that the FFA need to do with that. Is that now the biggest challenge for the FFA to, to get some credibility back and to get some, you know, sort of confidence back from the supporters? Because this this has affected supporters of the whole division, not just mm. North Queensland Fury supporters. Um, you know what they do with that two million dollars, how they market next season. I think is now a critical point in 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 Ben Buckley's tenure. Is, is he's come out and said we've got better things to do with this two million. My question is now, okay, show us what they are. Yeah, I think the two big things, and you touched on one of them there, is marketing the competition for people who aren't involved in it intrinsically at the moment, and also marketing it to the people who are involved with it and are getting more and more ticked off with the way things are going. Security at games, carrying on with things like down in Melbourne and everything like that. Sorting, It's going to be a long, long off-season for the people at the FFA in regards to this league, and um, they need to get it right, and they need to get it right quickly because, in my eyes, chances aren't running out. There will always be that support, but you need more. You want more, and... Um, the only way it's going to grow is if they get things like that right. I think the A-League, the FFA A-League review is out next week, the, the discussions we had with them previously. So we'll have an idea. Um, In grand from, final week. From, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it's going to be positive stuff, though, that you know got the grand final and this is what's going to happen um, afterwards. But from the meetings we had with them, it sounded like there could be a load of negative stuff in there as well. That's so, what I'm saying. Well, well, I, mean, I mean, they've almost, though, I mean, the, the talk about the drop in, in number of games... They've achieved that now by killing North Queensland. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah they've that's now got a 27-game yeah. season by losing a club. Yeah, you know, so I'm guessing that, that that would be a sort of organic sort of change that probably won't have the yeah the impact that it would have done had we still had 11 or 12 teams. And another thing I think about the FFA that the only way that football would, would succeed in Australia is that there was a real siege mentality from every level of the game, from fans to administration. Everyone was looking to pull in the same direction. At the moment, it feels like no matter what the FFA announced, people would pick holes in it because they've got in that negative mm. mindset that this is the wrong administration for us and I don't care what they come up with, I, you know, I don't agree with it. And either that mindset's got to change or Buckley's position's become untenable and, it, you know, you I need just, someone you else. Know, I think if, if, we, if we strip everything else away, though, we've got, you know, I'm, I'm, your, your son's just signing up to play. I've just started coaching again. Grassroots interest in football, level of engagement with football, is still so strong. Couldn't be mm. higher. More people coming to play the game. You know, the women's game is booming. We've got the Matildas about to go to a World Cup. The A-League on the pitch has just had its best season. You know, surely we can find yeah. somebody to put the two together. Yeah. Because there are a lot of companies doing very well from a marketing perspective that don't have huge numbers of people that are interested in your sport and a very good product to sell them. Yeah. You know, so let's spend that off season and this money getting that right. Because it's not like, you know, it's not like it's the end of the world. You know, we've got mm. a very good product on the pitch and we've got a lot of people that are interested in the sport. Mm. So 
All right, as you say, though, Adam, it will be a very long off season um, it, because part of this review, I would imagine, Trev, is likely to be the announcement they'll start in October. Personally, yeah. I think it's the right move, um, but it does Same. create a very long void now between the especially for our podcast. Exactly. What the hell are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you back on with your uh, with the Austin Powers. I, I just no, I just had a, a image when Trev was talking then about the fact that um, the, the fans, no matter what comes out of the FFA at the moment, they're not listening. And I had this image of Ben Buckley. Um, announcing something and a whole heap of fans at the back of the room going la, 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 with their hands over their ears. So unfortunately, uh, that is the image at the moment. Hopefully, that can change um, ahead of season seven. All right. Well, that's it for part three. Um, feel free to jump onto Twitter or our forums and have your say. I mean, I think the the, the North Queensland Fury had 200 comments in the first 45 minutes. I looked at it; it was huge. People care. Um, so have you say, get, jump onto Twitter, let's have a chat about it, or get onto the forums. I'm sure it's not the last we've heard about it. We'll be back in part four to preview the preliminary final, but also have a little look ahead to the Champions League uh, second legs in next week. And <laughs> uh, there's Adam with his sound effects. So yeah. join us after the break. The new issue of 442 is on sale, and it's our annual Top 100 Players in the World Special Edition. Who will be number one? We head to Japan to meet Socceroo rising star Matt Spiranovic and go one-on-one with Liverpool legend Ian Rush. There's also the never-before-told story of Man United's riotous 1999 tour down under without Sir Alex Ferguson to watch over them. We'll also visit seven European local derbies in one huge Sunday. If that wasn't enough, there's a UEFA Champions League sticker album and stickers free with every issue. On sale now at newsagents or on the iPad via the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Well, we are speaking into the microphone, so uh, we're back to part four. Please got that professional from Fox on the show this week, just to give us some more. The man of a thousand voices. (laughs) That that is actually Adam doing those accents. They're not recorded. Stewie Griffin here. Um, Right. Preliminary final. Central Coast, Gold Coast. The Battle of the Coasts. Coast with the most, I think you said, wasn't it? Coast with the most. Thanks for for crediting. (laughs) Who will prevail? Lads, what do you reckon? (laughs) We know what we're going to get with Central Coast. Who, know, who in God's name knows what Gold Coast and formation and how they're going to play is another thing. Um, I think Mirror might try two right midfielders, literally <laughs> two players in the same position to see if it works. I think one week he played a, a 2 2 4 2. Oh, yeah. He's, I went, he's a pioneer. Is that such a. Like, is that a formation? <laughs> Did it just make something up? Or? Before his time. Mm. Um, what time? <laughs> the end Sporting of time. bet have got it. Uh, Central Coast dollar ninety three. Gold Coast three dollars eighty five. I think that's a bit generous on that's the. A Gold good Coast. bet for the Gold Coast. And three dollars forty on the draw. They're ninety minute odds uh, to qualify. Central Coast dollar forty five, and the Gold Coast two dollars seventy. Yeah, I mean Trev as the man who backed Ireland. Last night to beat England at twenty six bucks. Oh, oh, yeah. I did Where's also, your money? I did also back uh, Adelaide to easily get past Gold Coast. So let's not um, read into my predictions too much. Look, really looking forward to the game. We were making the point the other week that when you've got GTA and Smelts, you've always got a chance. Even and away Porter. From, yeah, yeah, completely. You know, even away from home, even the Central Coast have been, you know, absolutely brilliant at home. Um, is Matt Simon likely to be back after his? Um, 
little accident in the sea, cutting his foot whilst walking his dog, which Apparently was not, unfortunate. not looking too good because it's oh. on the bridge of the foot, so it's hard to mend. Ow. Yeah. So... Did you see what I, I did tweet on that at the time? Where all I saw was I was at home working for last Friday and I just saw um, Matt Simon in dog accident with dog <laughs> missing to miss the game. I just had this image of every afternoon after training, Matt Simon his dog go out walking and Matt throws the ball and then sort of knees and elbows the dog <laughs> as they're running for it. And eventually the dog's just snapped. <laughs> I've had enough. Well, yeah, little sort of like back chat every time he beats him for it, and the dogs just snapped and had enough. But, uh, but uh, alas, it wasn't. It was a cut foot. But um, I mean, he's he, he'll be a big loss for the man, particularly at home. Yeah, that that's why I'm I'm going to predict. Here we go. Drum roll. Have you got a drum roll on that? No, I don't. Uh, Gold Coast on penalties. Ghost on penalties. That's what I think. We, we keep predicting penalties in extra time, and in fairness, some of the finals games um, warranted that or looked like it was heading that way. Um, I think it will happen in the uh, coast of the most battle. Um, yeah, good, some good penalty takers in that Gold Coast team as well, so that's what I'm going to go for. <laughs> Adam, uh, all right, let, let's, let's look at the Mariners. Half-time in the, the, the second leg of the Mays semi, flying, 2-0 up get pegged back, so they've got that sort of deflation of that. They've now got to get themselves back up again to win a game to get another shot. You know, are they gonna, is Arnie going to struggle to get them back on the job or are they going to be itching for a chance to go back to Suncorp? The latter, yeah. They're, they appear to be a pretty resilient uh, bunch of players and a bit of, um, a bit of in terms of motivation is handed over from Arnie to the players to make sure. And they're... They're established professionals. It's not like they're a team of kids as well. They're, they're established, established players. So uh, I don't think it'll be a worry, and I think they will be too good, um, personally, the way they, just the way they played up, up there. Um, and it was only... And you can, you can pick the bones out of it in any way you like, but, I mean, at 2-1 in a normal game, they don't send a striker on for a defender. They, they keep things a bit under their hat as well. So at 2-1, they end the game. They win the game 2-1, they don't go through. So he had to chuck someone else on. So I think they'll they'll be a little too good for Gold Coast. One player at Gold Coast, I've amazed by his form, not because you know he can't do it, it's because where's it been all season? Taj Minicon. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been almost magnificent. In he's the, an enigma the, the of a player, games. isn't he? Yeah. He was when he was at Brisbane before. But he's been given a kind of a role where he does responsibilities aren't on his shoulders in terms of um, structure and everything. He can just go out and play a bit more and um, show him what he can do. So he's dangerous as, and they've got the always dishevelled, as you mentioned before, um, the man Joel Porter coming off uh, the bench. He, he always looks like he's just woken up. Always reminds Gerald Depardieu, Gerard Parsons as well. The always dishevelled Gerard Parsons, but. Uh, yeah, they got they got options and they're dangerous. But I just think that the way that the Mariners play, uh, the way they have been playing, um, they'll be a little too good. So to win it in ninety minutes, Mariners for you? Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm going to go Gold Coast, tip an upset in yeah. ninety minutes, three dollars eighty-five. That's where I'll be on. Sold. All right. Um, so Champions League second legs of the last sixteen start next week. Staggered affair this year. So we've got. Um, Barcelona, we've got. We had Barcelona, the first leg, and the second leg is Barcelona. 
Arsenal. Yeah. So Van Persie out, apparently. Yes. So Van Persie out. Fabregas, any word on whether he's out? He's very unlikely. Um, yeah, going to try and rush him back, I think, but yeah, not confirmed. Arsenal leading 2 1. Barcelona seem quite comfortable with 2 1. Yeah, yeah, but I think Barcelona will win it um, reasonably comfortably. I think Bentner is um, making a push for a role now. Just on Bentner. That's what I think of him. After <laughs> what he did this morning in the FA Cup. I haven't... Well, the hat-trick. Oh, he scored a hat-trick, <laughs> yeah. but after his second goal, um, they're beating Leighton Orient, for goodness sakes. He's done the whole cap, cup the hand at the um, Leighton Orient end and... He's probably copping a fair bit, though. But you're playing Leighton Orient and you're playing for Arsenal in front of 60,000 at home. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. Dick. <laughs> Play on. All right, Barcelona, Arsenal. Have Arsenal got a prayer, Adam? Uh, I think 3-1 Barcelona. Yeah. They've got a little bit of a prayer, but they've got too many injuries all of a sudden. It's funny, we talk about Arsenal having a prayer. Yeah, they're winning 2-1 currently, aren't they? But it's just Barcelona at home are like another level, yeah. aren't they? I, just re- I think really you've like... got to be capable to go and you know, do what Inter did under Mourinho. That's it, which even downtown, you've got to have such discipline. Park the aeroplane. That's what he yeah, said. He did park, park the bus. Park the aeroplane. <laughs> the San Siro. <laughs> um, and I just don't see Arsenal having that security at the back. No, know, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to concede at least two goals. So okay. I just think make it entertaining for neutrals like us and just go for it. All right, let's talk Spurs. Mm. Uh, I'd be one of the performances of the... Uh, of the first legs, can they finish the job at White Hart Lane, Adam? It's a shame we don't, don't get to see if Joe Jordan can finish the job at White Hart yeah. Lane. <laughs> you should be feeling... I'm, yeah, I'd be looking you, forward to that more than I'd be looking forward to that. said that he's not going to travel oh. because there'll be, there'll be 37,000 <laughs> people there wanting to give him a slap. Oh, dear. <laughs> but also, I, mean, like, I was watching the start of their game, I think it was against Napoli this week, I was in the gym, and Van Bommel was playing. Obviously, he couldn't play in the... Is there ever a more niggly central yeah. midfield player than Coutinho and Van Bommel? And then you throw Flamini just as a yeah. like. Uh, Trev? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a cracker. It'll be, it'll be more open, I think, this one. Plenty of goals in it, which is what we anticipate for the first leg, and then it never happened. Um, I think Tottenham will get through. I can see it being a score draw. Um, two or something like that, but I, I think Tottenham have got a massive advantage with that one away goal. You know, going into this one, home advantage. Um, while well, Lane would be pumping, so yeah, score draw or Tottenham through at least. Yeah, I'm not sure there's going to be a heap of goals in this for some unknown reason. I just don't think there will be. That's all. Yeah, I mean, Spurs, <laughs> I mean, Spurs sort of have the ability to go sort of gung ho as we've seen we saw against Inter in the, uh, but it's whether they'll need to because sort of Milan. Didn't really show much in the in the no. first leg going forward, so I, I think they'll just see how it goes. And but with that knowledge that they can um, they can go that extra gear if they need to. Let's talk briefly about the other two um, two ties. Shakhtar the next in the in the box seat against Roma, uh, Ranieri less Roma. Um, talk of uh, Ancelotti uh, if he was to leave Chelsea in the in the close season, Roma would be his sort of uh, destination. Mm. Uh, they've appointed a caretaker I think to the end of the season, which would potentially add weight to that. Well, they um, need a miracle in this. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we, we'd probably say Shakhtar through in that one, Trev? Yeah, I, th- I think not only over both legs, aggregate-wise, but I think in that game they'll they'll win that one easily. Right, and Schalke, Valencia, you put say, I think it was one or draw in the first leg. Um, Raul. Raul scoring. Mm. Uh, he got another winner, I think, overnight, the header. 
Um, still in the balance this though. You know, you never write yeah. off a, a Spanish team being able to go away from no. home. Valencia did well against Barca this morning. Yep. Lost 1 0 to a messy goal. So, yeah, that, that's a one worth watching if you can. That's a great result. <laughs> <laughs> it was aesthetically. Aesthetically. Oh, give up. <laughs> aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. So, the tip, goal. It wasn't Schalke or Valencia? Uh, I'm going to go Schalke. And can't say a draw. Valencia. Oh, plenty of interesting. Now I've got uh, my final thing on my. Uh, there is such a thing as a script for this thing. I know it sounds like there isn't. Uh, I've got plug new issue in shameless manner. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Q Trev. <laughs> yep, new issue out yesterday. Um, Messi and Maradona Talking interviews. About Messi. Yes, Messi and Maradona interviews. Messi is our own interview. So chatting uh, the Socceroos and playing over here yeah, the A-League very briefly I remember him having when he came into the office too. oh yeah exactly yeah um, the A-League didn't know much about the A-League sort of glazed, glazed over strange yeah, I know <laughs> I cannot believe Messi is not a massive A-League fan or he's not been listening to the pod did he play in the same team as Perez Perez yeah 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 which is a perfect segue because Perez is in the, this issue as well ah the Perez dispenser <laughs> um Asian Cup in pictures, Matt Mackay, um, Nike, the chance. Aidan was over in London. Tom Rogic, yeah. Yep. Getting into the Premier League Academy. Exactly, yeah. Um, tactics, who needs them? Are tactics overrated? I've already had uh, Ron Smith on the phone to me complaining about that piece. <laughs> well, you need tactics because if you walk off the field and you're not tactically aware, yeah. well, people could say this to you. There we go. Anything, what about the iPad? That's it for that. Yes, I? yeah, plenty of extra stuff on the iPad. We've got, um, f- you know, career in pictures with Diego Maradona and Spider as well, talking us through his, his best pictures. We've also got video interviews with uh, Matt Mackay, Tim Cahill, Mark Schwarzer, Holger Oziek. Um, and the, the Nike, the, um, the chance video is absolutely brilliant, as most of Nike's videos normally end up being. Um, that's well worth watching. So loads, loads of extra stuff this month. Fantastic. As the actress said to the bishop, how do you fit it all in? <laughs> anyway, on that note, <laughs> uh, enjoy the preliminary final this weekend. We will be back next week to preview the grand final. And you'll be on your way up to Brisbane for the mega grand not a, final. Not after a massive weekend this weekend. Got the quaddy, the football quaddy this Where weekend. The preliminary final on Saturday. Yep. Play our first trial against Dunbar Rovers. Coming to get you, Dunbar Rovers. Who are you on playing for? Manly Vale, Manly Vale AL3. So excited, I can't even get it out. Uh, so it's first trial. Sunday, that's on Sunday at 1pm. Sunday night, the A-League Awards. And, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got Monday off as holiday. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and the small matter of a uh, Liverpool-Manchester United clash to uh, to host with Robbie and Bozzer uh, as we bring in Monday morning at about midnight, Sunday night. So so that, so you'll go into the A-League Awards and then yes. go into the studio. Yes. So you won't be drinking. Or will you be drinking? <laughs> <laughs> hey, she will bring a whole bunch of us home for the awards and we'll all, we'll all give our analysis. Jackson, I've seen where you usually sit at those things and it's usually up the back so you can make as much noise as you want, you can tell as many fart jokes as you want, you can drink as much beer as you want, which you'll be doing all three things. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Night. So we'll be back with our stories of the A-League Awards. 
and previewing the grand final next week. Adam, thanks for coming in. Thanks for your box of tricks today. Not a problem. Uh, I'll go home and get some more for next time. <laughs> See you soon. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.